All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're tuned in to Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Uramchuk. Live every weekday on the Nation Network YouTube. That was supposed to be the easy part of the December schedule. How did the Oilers squander it? Two out of a possible six points against three teams that are all worse than them. How? How? We'll break it all down. Let's get into it with the lead. Yep, that was not good. The Nashville Predators basically lulled the Oilers to sleep in that hockey game. It was boring. There was not a lot going on. Um, I just, I don't even know. That's another wildly disappointing game from the Edmonton Oilers. And there have been far too many of those as of late. You go through their schedule of the game against St. Louis. That was ugly. That can't happen. And we're sitting here going, oh, if they, they'll show us that they can bounce back tomorrow or in the next game. Then you go up against Anaheim and we say, here we go. Okay, Anaheim's starting some guy who only has seven career NHL games. And the Oilers stomped Arizona earlier in the month. And Anaheim's only won two regulation games in 31 tries this year. And Edmonton finds a way to blow that. And they roll into Nashville and you go, they've beaten the wheels off the Predators twice already this season. This is two points right here. You don't, good teams don't let losing streaks hit three. And somehow they squander that. And, you know, when we sat here and did our little food bank goal, of, you know, hopefully the Oilers going six and two in their final eight heading down the stretch here in December. It was like, okay, St. Louis, that's a spot to win. And granted, they should have if they didn't completely collapse late in that hockey game. Anaheim, that was one you circled as an automatic win. Nashville, you circle that one. Not quite an automatic win, but you're like, hey, that's a team they should beat. And then things get difficult because you have Dallas coming up next. You're on the road. Best team in the Central. 
okay, whatever. Vancouver is the next one, but there's clearly no free bingo squares when it comes to this hockey team. Calgary after that, tough rivalry game. Seattle after that, well ahead of you in the standings. Winnipeg on the second of back-to-backs after you would have just flown in late from Seattle the night before, and Winnipeg's having a damn good season. So you just go up and down this schedule, and you're almost more frustrated about these last three losses because they shouldn't happen against bad hockey teams. They just shouldn't. The lead is brought to you by Soho Yeg. Find them online, SohoYeg.com. Follow them on socials as well. They're great lunch specials, $9 for soup and a sandwich. Doesn't get much better than that. It is freezing cold out. It is soup weather in Edmonton, and Soho has got you. SohoYeg.com. It's just really, really annoying when this team continually does and makes simple mistakes, and it costs them hockey games. We'll get into the chat as well. As always, we are live on the Nation Network YouTube as well as on Twitter and Facebook. I see a bunch of you dropping your comments in there already. I'm going to bring in my boy Liam because, as always, we're going to set a light goal for today's show. And Liam, what do you got? What's our light goal today? Let's let's go an even 60 today. I think that's a good way to do it. It It feels somber around here after another disappointing game by the other. So let's just get to 60 likes and just... Trying to have a good time. In all likelihood, 60 points (laughs) is the number of points the Oilers are going to need down the stretch here if they want to be a playoff team this coming season. And I don't think that's a stretch at all. They have 49 games to go. You probably need to go. And it's early, so maybe doing this kind of talk and this kind of math isn't great. But 49 games, if you look at 96 points as the playoff cut line, which I don't even think would have gotten you in this year, but I think it'll be a little bit tighter than that from top to bottom in the West. Last year, you needed 97 to get in. So, you know what? Sure, let's use 97 as the playoff benchmark. You're at 36 mm-hmm. right now. Your Chuck math, 61 points from now till the end of the year to get in. 49 games to go. So 30 wins in an OT loss. You need to go 30, 18, and 1 for the rest of the season. If you want to make the playoffs, just squeak in. Give yourself a chance. That's quite a big hill to climb, and they're not doing themselves any favors right now, Liam. Last night was another winnable, winnable hockey game, and they didn't come through. Well, that's the thing. Like The last three games, it kind of felt like two points was in the palm of their hands for, for most of it. And then all of a sudden, the Oilers are walking away with one point, no points, and then one point again. It's just, it's very frustrating because even when you get good performances from Jack Campbell, I know that 886 doesn't look awesome, but I thought he was pretty solid last night. He gave the Oilers like, that third goal yeah. he probably wants back, but played well, and the Oilers didn't do it again in front of him. And it's, I don't know. At some point, like watching the game last night, I'd be curious what you think, Tyler. I thought, I thought Drysaddle and McDavid looked exhausted. To be honest, I think playing them, they were they were in the other end like quite a lot for at least the first two periods. Like they seemed to be in their own zone, and you can see that. Like McDavid had one shot. That's so uncharacteristic of him. And you know what? Like Nugent Hopkins showed up. Yavi got, I guess, call it a lucky goal. Just good to see him get something. Is a positive and. I think it's time Woodcroft and Manson have a serious sit down and look about where this team can thrive the most. Because another thing that wasn't great, and I'm not, I'm not saying he's saying he's a bad hockey player, but why is Yanmark playing? What did he play? Almost 18 minutes last night. Like I think he's yeah. been a really good positive player for this team, and but that's too much. That's too much for someone like him. Just spread mm-hmm. it like Holloway. I thought had a really good game again and wasn't necessarily rewarded in a very positive way either. I think he played around 12 minutes. So 
I think it's time the coaching staff started doing something different with this lineup because putting Dreisaitl and McDavid out isn't a positive anymore and it's becoming very predictable. And last night, to Nashville's credit, they did a good job of, of shutting them down five on five. Yeah, they finally found a way to stop the mayor of Smashville, right? Leon Dreisaitl did yeah. not have a good game. If you were watching the broadcast, you would have heard them talk a little bit about uh, about Jay Woodcroft, maybe feeling under the weather a little bit. Um, I wonder if maybe there's not a flu bug going through this team. And with Dreisaitl in particular, I thought he was just so off last night. And he's been brutal yeah. in the face-off dot. So I wonder if his strength just like isn't quite there. Maybe he's fighting through something. I'm not here, though, to make you know excuses for the team or anything like that. That's just honestly something as I was watching last night before they lost. I was like, man, they have a couple of guys who look real sluggish in this game. And I wondered if maybe there's not a little bit of a flu bug going around. Uh, they got to turn things around in a hurry, though, because I mentioned it. 30-18-1 if you want to get to 97 points this year. Only 18 more losses at most is what you can afford from here till the end of the season. Those can add up quickly if you don't flip things around in a hurry. And I know the opposite is also true. If you find a way to finish the month strong, if you go on one of those runs where let's say you're 8-2 and two in your next 10, then the optimist side of me, shout out to our guy Rusty, who I see in the chat right now as well, then you're sitting there going, ah, you just need to go like, if you go eight and two in your next 10, it's like, oh, look at that. You need to go like 22, 16 and one. Like that's easy. You always can do that. But the point is you have to turn it around in order for life to get easier. And I just, I don't see a lot of signs of that with this team. Uh, we're going to be joined by Tom Gazzola in just a little bit here. He's going to join the show in just under 10 minutes from the oil stream and TSN 1260. We'll touch on a bunch of stuff with our friend Tommy G. Uh, but let's get into mm -hmm. our three big things for Cornerstone Insurance and last night's game. Cornerstone Insurance Brokers, Edmonton's premier boutique insurance brokerage, your destination for commercial home auto insurance for over 90 years in the Edmonton area. They're still growing. Check them out. Cornerstoneins.ca. Number one for me, it's Jack Campbell. I said, if he's 900 or better, no complaints from me. So if he doesn't give up that goal in overtime, he's 900 or better and there would be no complaints from me. But he did give up the goal in overtime and his save percentage sat at an 886. So another sub 900 game for Jack Campbell. And were any of the goals egregious? No. Did he make a couple of really big saves? Yeah, he did. He made a couple of real nice stops. I'm fully mm -hmm. recognizing that with Jack Campbell. That Matias Ekholm goal was brutal rebound control. You're an NHL goalie making $5 million. Don't kick a puck back into the slot right onto a guy's stick. You need That can't happen. The second one went in off Tyson Berry, we believe. Okay, fine. It's a shot from distance, but it hit a D-man and took a funny bounce. We'll live with that one. The Matt Deshane goal. If he stays square to the shooter, that puck doesn't go in. Like I'm not a goalie expert, but he's down making himself as small as possible consistently. Mm -hmm. He looks small in the net. He shrinks down. And on that, on that Duchesne goal, he just didn't find a way to take the angle away from the shooter. He made that relatively easy on Matt Duchesne. Two of those three goals, in my opinion, shouldn't have gone in. And Nashville, to their credit, they played decent, but that's not a very good offensive hockey team. They shouldn't. And this is a comment on the whole team as well, because I didn't think the Oilers were great defensively. Again, too many times they were just getting hemmed in their own end and they have no one who can break up a cycle when that happens. But I also think that two of those three goals shouldn't have gone in. So, yeah, Campbell made some big saves. You know who else made some big saves? UC Soros on the other side. 
Granted, that's a guy who's a consistent Vesna caliber goaltender, but the Oilers could have won that game if Jack Campbell plays even, not even on, he doesn't need to play on UC Saros's level. He just has to not give up two poor goals. And I'm not piling on the goalie here. I don't mean to pile on the goalie is what I say, because I know I kind of am right now. But it's, again, a little bit frustrating when you sit there and look at the other side, and it's big save after big save after big save from UC Saros. And, you know, even though he gave up, you could argue maybe one crap goal on the Yesa Pugliarvi one, brick wall in OT, brick wall down the stretch. And I didn't think two of those three goals should have gone in on Campbell. Um, the Oilers win that game with Skinner and net is kind of the point I'm making. And I, I would have started Campbell. So I, again, hindsight's 2020, but it's just, it's frustrating again when this guy couldn't just steal the team one. I, I think the team made mistakes in front of him on those goals, to be honest. Like, I think the first one for me, Nima Linen was caught flat footed and the guy came around on him. I agree though. Yeah. Like the, the rebound control needs to be better, but I think ahead of him, Nima Linen can't, like, he's got to be ready for that. He can't just be stud flat footed. Um, was it the Duchesne one that was the power play goal? Like, whatever the power play goal one was. Yeah, it was. Cause. They yeah. just mentioned they ended an 0-21 streak right before. So right at the end of the ice, Fogel had an opportunity to kind of kill the puck a little bit in on the boards. And he just skated right past the puck and just missed it. And then it was 5-on-3 going the other way. So, like, those mistakes can't happen. The third goal, um, which was the Akon one, I feel like Campbell got a little overconfident in himself. Is a weird thing to put considering how he's been playing. But, like... Why go for the pole check there? I feel like if you had stayed up straight, you would have been in a really good position to stop that puck. And then the overtime one, it kind of is what it is, I suppose. Like maybe a bad change on the Oilers. But yeah, like I don't think Campbell was brutal last night by any means. It's one of his good performances, but maybe you'd want to see one of those pucks saved rather than going to the back of the net. And yeah, like you said, like Soros absolutely robbed Hyman in overtime. And he did that like two other times, I think, in the game. So Sorrow showed up, and obviously they're on different levels, but that's probably why Nashville were able to win the game yesterday. Uh, you know, it, it, it's obviously negative right now, and I'm reading the chat. People are frustrated, and understandably so. Um, but one positive was Ryan Nugent Hopkins found the back of the net two more times. He's now tied for 13th in the NHL in goals. He's tied with a guy like Andre Svechnikov, who I think has also scored like six of his goals against the Oilers or some shit like that. Um, but Nuge <laughs> continues to find the back of the net, which is great. His change in overtime, though, was brutal. But I am trying to focus on the positives right now, I guess, and trying to change the conversation a bit. Man, the production from Ryan Nugent Hopkins is just unbelievable. Like, this guy might legitimately score 35 goals this season. Doesn't he have more goals than Austin Matthews right now? Pretty oh, sure. Yeah, he someone's has. already pointed that out in the chat. Yeah, I'll take that as a big positive. The new just showing yeah. up. It's unfortunate it was maybe his error on the overtime goal, but. Yeah. He's the one who came up and scored two big goals for this team and actually got them to overtime. So you can almost forgive those mistakes, right? Like you're giving you take, but yeah, Nugent Hopkins, he's shown up all season when a lot of other guys haven't. So massive positive for this team. Yeah, the Oilers were good on the power play as well, going two for three. Uh, my third big thing for Cornerstone Insurance is uh, Yamamoto and Holloway. I thought we're both really good in that hockey game and Holloway keeps impressing me just with little things every game. I think he's gaining more and more confidence with the puck on his stick. He seems to be willing to take some more chances off the rush and things like that. So I like a lot of what Holloway did in that game at five on five. He ended up playing 10 minutes and 54 seconds, which is more than 
Fogel, okay, barely more than Fogel, so I shouldn't even include that. But he played, you know, solid third line minutes for this team. And I personally would like to see him get a little bit more rewarded. I think this is a guy you could trust with a little more ice time. And maybe his game is getting to the point where you can throw him into more of a skill role and you might get some decent results. And I also think the way Kyler Yamamoto's played since coming back in the lineup has been a big positive. We obviously know he scored a couple of times now in the six games. And I just thought he was forechecking like a little buzzsaw last night. He was doing the things that make Kyler Yamamoto effective. And after really struggling early and then getting hurt, I think that's a big positive to have a guy like him starting to hum along a bit. Yeah, and that's always been the thing with Yamamoto, right? Is that even if he's not scoring, at least he's contributing in other ways. Um, I'll let you, can I chime in with a, a fourth big thing? Sure. I think the other big thing is, obviously, Paul Yavi scored his goal last night, but just the reaction from his teammates, I thought was was great to see. And just like the positive around him after all these negative stories we've kind of seen in the last few weeks, especially with like the finish report and stuff like that. I thought that was just like a really good thing to see is kind of like guys showing enjoyment. And I'm sure like a lot of other guys will see it too. Like we saw Fogel's reaction when he got his first goal, but it's just kind of nice to see that team spirit, I guess, if you can call it after what's been a, a little bit of a tough stretch from this team. Yeah, I, I think that's fair too. Like a positive building block, hopefully for Pugliarvi. He played 10-39 mm-hmm. at 5-on-5 five five in the game, obviously. Scored the goal as well. I, I know our guy NHL Sid was tracking uh, zone entries last night uh, over on his Twitter, and Pugliarvi led the Oilers in zone entries too. So, uh, you know, decent game from Pugliarvi. I just, he needs to build on it. Right? Like we've seen Yamamoto yeah. now, in my opinion, be effective for three, four, five games in a row now since he's come back. I feel like Holloway's been effective for three, four games in a row and starting to do the right thing. Hopefully now this is the start of Pugliarvi playing well for three, four, five games heading through the holiday break. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, a third line that maybe has a bit more of a pulse on a consistent basis. And you got Nuge scoring on the second line and, and that can keep happening on a consistent basis. And then you look at the top line as well. And I mean, I, I wonder about a flu bug. I don't. I don't know. They talked about Woodcroft on the broadcast, like I said, but the big guns yesterday looked sluggish and Nashville, to their credit, also kind of lulled the Oilers to sleep. So it wasn't a fun game to watch, even though it did end in uh, exciting fashion in overtime, three on three OT, always a lot of fun. Um, We are going to get to Tom Gazzola in just a second. But first, I want to catch up on a few things going on in the chat. Devin says, when does Drysaddle's defensive play get talked about? He's awful in his own end, just completely disinterested. I don't fully buy that. I think he had a, I think he had a bad game last night. And I, you know, if that's your takeaway, one of your takeaways from last night's game, I think that's totally fair. Um, but I also think part of what makes 97 and 29 so dangerous is that they're always looking to jump up in the rush, right? And you sacrifice a little bit in the D zone to make that happen. I, he's not great in his own end, but when he wants to dial it up, he's the guy they use when they're shorthanded five on three, right? For the most part, I know this year that's changed maybe a bit. Um, but I'm not overly concerned about that. Uh, Rusty says, Nuge is on pace for 42 goals and 92 points this year. You love to see it. Like, even if he falls off, even if his pace isn't this, which it won't be, like, he'll go through a slump at some point. He's not a 90-plus point guy, but he could very well be a 35-goal, a 35-assist guy this season. And I, I think that's awesome. Even if it's coming on the penalty or on the power play for the most part, who cares? Joel's in. Split up Connor and Leon at five on five. It's time to push for Chikrin. No one can convince me he is in a huge upgrade over Broberg and Kulak at this point. Probably an upgrade over Nurse. There are a lot of you 
pretty much every game the Oilers lose now, there's like nine to 10 people in the chat being like, well, this is the sign. They need to go get Jacob Chikrin. Go get him now. Give up Broberg. Give up the picks. Do whatever it takes. And I get it. I'm still not convinced he is the perfect fit. And if you're going to give up Broberg and two firsts or a first and a second, you need to be pretty damn sure that a guy is going to be a perfect fit for you. I think they can spend smarter. I, I don't know if just jumping and spending like a drunken sailor because you lost three games in a row in December is like the smartest play out there. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Um, but maybe we'll get our friend Tom Gazzola's take on that. Let's bring him in. Tom Gazzola from the Oil Stream and TSN 1260. He does the pre and post game shows there as well. Tommy G, welcome back to Oilers Nation every day. How are you doing, man? Hey, Remchuk. Uh, happy holidays, buddy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, look at you all festive. You got the Christmas tree up in the background and all of that. You're staying in E-Town, obviously, for the holidays, not searching out a quick couple of days somewhere warm. Oh, the fireplace, too. Killer. Fireplace. Got the phony fireplace. No, I'll be here. I'm in for Dusty, like, the next three weeks as Big Daddy Davos makes his triumphant <laughs> return to Switzerland. So, uh, yeah, I'll be. I'll have my three days off around Christmas itself, which will be great. But, uh, no, I mean, obviously, with all the games and – and the uh, morning yeah. show duty, it's uh, it's slugging it out through the minus 40 stuff. And, you know, we'll complain about it. But uh, when we can stay warm and be merry and be with family and friends, take advantage. Uh, Surveyor Brett was uh, tweeting in. He wants me to give you the gears for taking. So it was a on the Nielsen show. It was a holiday entertainment draft. Yeah. And yeah, you took Elf first overall, and you're getting ripped that. I don't get it, actually. I think Elf is pretty good, but, like, what did people want you to take? Like, what went after that? Yeah, Christmas Vacation, uh, straight up. I mean, for some or for a lot of vocal people out there, Christmas Vacation is the movie, entertainment-wise, that, like, apparently was the consensus number one. But I'm not going to lie to you. I don't really care for Christmas Vacation. I stand by Vegas Vacation being the best one of the series. And almost out of spite and, you know, uh, anger and frustration towards everybody thinking Christmas Vacation is the best Christmas movie, 
I just went with Elf because I think everybody loves it. It spans generations. It's timeless. It's a beautiful story with some wonderful actors and characters. So I took Elf at number one, and I don't care for Christmas Vacation. I said it. I feel that way, and uh, that's my way of uh, showing it. I don't hate the take. I don't hate the take at Thank all. Uh, let's talk a little Oilers. A lot of people are clamoring for Chikrin again, and the conversation is, a blow, is about the blue line. Jay and yep. I had a big debate yesterday on one of our pods, and I said, this blue line has the potential to be better. Darnell Nurse has been awful. He can be better. Evan Bouchard hasn't been good. He can be better. I think there's a lot of pieces that can take a step forward, and we can expect some element of internal improvement. Jay thinks I'm insane. He thinks the only way they get better is if they go out and make a big trade. What side of that debate would you come out on? I understand the, the trade theory. I really do. And I think at some point there will be a trade. I don't know if it's a splash like Chikrin, although if you did want to go down that road, it's going to cost you a ton. You're going to get raked over the coals from the Coyotes. Their price is super steep. Um, yeah. So that leaves us with the internal improvement and growth. And let's not kid ourselves. The Oilers defense has been spotty i don't think people expected evan bouchard to suffer this much this season i think there there was a level of expectation for peaks and valleys because it is it's truly his second full nhl season where he's playing every single day the shortened season he played 15 out of 56 you know he was up and down a little bit before that last year was his full taste yes he had duncan keith keith with keith with him pardon me and then, and then I thought thought he took a real big step, but this year, you know, it's been more valley than peak. I mean, he he had a few moments here and there, and and I think it's fair to say his general season has been an overall disappointment. And then at the same time, you've got Philip Broberg and Marcus Niemelainen who've played the majority of the games uh, compared to Ryan Murray, who's supposed to be Broberg insurance, and those guys are going through their growing spurts as well and and it's tough you know we talked about it on air off air going into the season it's if the Oilers are going to have these two young guys sometimes three young guys playing regularly like there's going to be some blemishes and man there's been some huge blemishes absolutely then you factor in how Darnell Nurse has struggled at times mightily at times as well um, there's been moments where, you know, Brett Kulak has had a tough spot here or there. I think he's actually been pretty consistent. A guy who never gets a lot of praise for his defensive ability is Tyson Barry, Barry and nobody's talking about him. And I think that's a good thing. A little more chatter lately on the post game show, people complaining about Barry, but overall, when, when a guy like that is someone who's actually giving you half decent minutes on the back end defensively, that's a sign that the other guys aren't pulling their weight. And then on top of that, Yoram Chuck, just the, the way the forwards support this season in their own zone has been atrocious. It really has been. It You defend as a five-man unit. I was listening to Jameson and Lotai talk about um, the orders defensively, and, and people were texting into their show on 1260 saying, how are the Leafs getting it done? I mean, look at their back end. It isn't anything to write home about. Guess what? Their forwards play better in their own zone than the Oilers forwards. And, you know, listen to you guys talk about Dreisaitl's game in his own zone. Him and McDavid are not excellent in their own zone. They're star players for what they do offensively. They can get the job done in their own zone. And they have good moments at times, but that's not their MO. And so they have their warts in their own zone as well. And 
it's just for whatever reason, this team came together after Jay Woodcroft came in and he talked a lot about backtracking through the neutral zone and responsibility in their own zone. And the team really took to it last season when he came in. This year, it's just been a tire fire from day one, even dipping into the preseason when it's been you know, a mix of guys trying to make the team and then you get your regulars in there. It, it, it never improved and it continues to be a huge problem. However, on the bright side, and it is the holiday season, so you want to be a little bit more positive, they can clean it up. But these last three games have just been an absolute waste. Well, and that's why like, you can sit there and blow your prospect pool up and blow all your draft pick capital and go get Jacob Chikrin. But I look at it like, man, wouldn't a guy like Jonathan Taves, if you could play him on your third line or maybe even your second line, whatever you end up doing, he helps you defensively. And maybe yeah. instead of giving up three premium assets for Jacob Chikorin, you give up one of those and a smaller piece to get a guy like Jonathan Taves. And you give up one of those and another smaller piece to go get a Vlad Gavrikov or someone who's maybe a step below Chikorin on the cost scale. And you get two pieces because a third line center who's great in his own end, that will help you defensively, arguably just as much as going out and getting a Chikorin would. Yeah. Uh, throw in face-offs too. I mean, it, it, oh, hypothetically, if you're going to get like a, if you were to go after Jonathan Taves when he's available um, and you can get him for a relatively good price, think of a guy for the Oilers like a Taves, again, hypothetical, who could actually win some draws, help turn the tide that way. Because again, they got burnt on it. The Oilers get killed off of draws so bad and it directly leads to goals. Like it, it's mm -hmm. just, it's mind numbing how bad they are when it comes to assignments off the draw. Like there's times where they'll win a face off and then they'll get scored on because there's no support. There's nobody, you know, handling their assignments properly. They'll blow an assignment. They'll miss a check and the pucks in the back of their net. So a guy like that could definitely help it out and, and make a difference there because it's so telling and sad and redundant and gets repeated night after night after night it's frustrating and i can totally understand why the fans are frustrated and then if you do get again like a gavrikov you, you shore things up um a thing that popped up on the post game show last night your chuck was yeah. uh, it was broberg and it was bouchard and, and people asking about them and, and i threw nima line in when i answered and you know you don't have duncan keith and I know, you know, the presence that he had is important as well. But uh, Chris Russell's name's popping up. And I thought that was a little bit odd at first. But then I thought about it. I'm like, okay, hey, Keith and Russell, those are guys that had how many games under their belt, how many experiences and, and things that they had gone through over the course of their careers. And your replacements are Nima Linen and, and Broberg and then sometimes Ryan Murray with another young guy in Evan Bouchard, who's still trying to find his way without the support of a Duncan Keith or a Chris Russell. Um, it, it started reminding me of, of the 16, 17 season going into 17, 18, where all these veterans were, were sent out the door and they were relying on young guys and, you know, Jujar Kera was supposed to take a step, Anton Slepashev, Drake Kajula, like it was like, hey, now it's your turn to run with it. You've had one year, maybe two, to learn the tricks of the trade. Go get it. And they failed miserably. And I think in a in a little bit of a parallel, we're kind of seeing that on the back end. Um, but I still think Bouchard's capable of a much better game. I still think Nurse is certainly capable of playing much better. I think Cody Cece's got dragged down at times because of Nurse's blunders and has had his moments as well. So 
you know, they can do it eternal internally because they have. Would outside help be ideal or would it be great right now? Yeah, hundred percent because it's frustrating and they're they're pissing away points. But I, I don't know if it's necessarily realistic at this moment. But I think in time, Ken Holland's going to make a move to try to bolster things. You got to factor in the cap and everything as well too. So many things going on with this team as always. Never a dull moment. That's the beauty of the Oilers. Yeah, really. Um, the chat is lighting up because you talk about veterans from last year and, and Chris Russell's name shows up. How is this guy just yeah. chilling at home? He's just on the ranch in Carolina, Alberta, not doing anything. I'm surprised. Like, I was surprised that they went out and got a guy like Murray when someone like Chris Russell, could he not have been had for like league minimum? And he knows the system. He knows the guys, you know, you can slide him in and out of the lineup as much as you want. And his game doesn't suffer. Like that was yeah. it's weird that Chris Russell doesn't have a job. Yeah. I- I mean, he gives you everything. The old cowboy in him, he's he's always in the fight. Uh, it's never flashy. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't think he's necessarily done in his mind, but nobody picked him up. Nobody took a flyer on him. He puts it all out there when he plays. But yeah, I, I don't know how much he would help Uremchuk this year, right now in this situation. But again, there's a presence with those veteran guys. There's an understanding of how to... N- handle certain situations that can turn uh, some of these OT losses that we've witnessed or a loss or two here and there into maybe you salvage a point or you actually get the win just because of the the veteran nature and, and the wiliness they bring and the calming presence. Those are factors and, and they do make a difference. And missing that element, I, I think, is is popping up. And now we're giving it a little bit more light because we've had a good sample size and, and we recognize where this team is suffering, especially when it comes to the defensemen. Yeah, uh, we're live on the Nation Network YouTube, as always. Uh, Tyson wants me to call out the light goal again. The light goal today is 61 because that's how many points the Oilers need from now to the end of the year to get to 97 points, which was the playoff cut line last season. So if you're watching on YouTube, hammer that like button for us. One more area I want to touch on with you, Tom. It really feels like the honeymoon phase between the fan base and Jay Woodcroft has kind of come to an end. And we got people in the chat saying, oh, he's, he's just coaching like Dave Tippett did last year. It's play the hell out of the stars, play the fourth line for six, seven minutes, and hopefully McDavid and Dryset will carry you to victory. And I get it a little bit. There's been yeah. games where it's a little puzzling to see his usage in terms of the forwards. If And when he came in last year, like I remember those clips that kind of went viral of Derek Ryan talking about how, oh, being a depth guy just feels different now. We have a purpose. We know what we're supposed to do out there. And that was a big reason, in my opinion, why the Oilers turned it around under Jay Woodcroft. It feels like he's gone away from that. Have you noticed any changes in the way Woodcroft's coaching this team? Uh, I ha- I mean, obviously going to the well with McDavid and Dreisaitl, it's so tempting and the pressure in this market, the pressure internally, like it'll wear on guys. And now Jay Woodcroft is going through the same plight that Dave Tippett did. uh, Todd McClellan did uh, even Ken Hitchcock. And he, I think is dealing with what I like to say is between the heads or between the ears of the team collectively like there is this mindset or attitude with this group where they sleepwalk their way into games time after time after time doesn't matter who the coach is what they're saying to them how they're prepping them video pump up uh speech or anything like that like we're seeing the same things over and over and over with multiple coaches and i think woodcroft has had that realization and he goes oh crap like this is what 
so-and-so went with and had to deal with. And, and so you, you try everything you can, you scratch and claw and you try to get uh, victories and you squeeze out 30 minutes a night from McDavid and Dreisaitl and yeah, it wears on them. Um, yes, I do see the, the changes and the tendency to go away from rolling four lines or even three lines and not trusting your depth guys. And they're getting goals. They're scoring. They're one of the highest scoring teams in the league, but yeah. they cough up so much, so much. So it's, you're trying to bail out water while the, sh the boat is sinking. And uh, to me, like, yeah, you, you could put in Mike Babcock, you could put in uh, Joel Quenville, John Tortorella, name any coach that has done anything ever in the National Hockey League with this group. And I think the same tendencies will pop up because it's the players on the ice that have been the constant. And I think until the mindset shifts and changes or they have that aha moment where it clicks and they have to buy in and they can't just step on the ice and expect greatness because they're so talented, um, we're going to be dealing with this and talking about these scenarios time after time after time. So I, I can understand. And you're right. Like some of the decision-making has been odd. Um, but I, I think that's just Jay Woodcroft dealing with what is the Edmonton Oilers and their plight because this team is nowhere near perfect. It, it does have some extremely talented players, a couple of thoroughbreds, but there's times where for whatever reason, the lights aren't on with this group and uh, you're trying to find the switch and there's been so many coaches try to do it. You gas another coach. Oh. you know it's just redundant like what are we doing here because I, I think i've covered this team for a dozen years and I, I think there's been like seven or eight coaches felt like every second year you're introducing yourself to a new coach so where's the problem it's the guys on the ice in the room yeah yeah i'm with you man like if this core can't figure it out with jay woodcroft this core is never going to figure it out so if your solution is oh they need a new coach again like then you might prepare you might as well prepare yourself for another decade of darkness at that point because yeah. it's just not going to happen if they can't get it done with jay woodcroft uh, tommy always appreciate the insights man merry christmas have a happy holidays enjoy getting up at 4 a.m for the next <laughs> week or so and uh we'll chat the later. worst all right you're on chuck merry christmas happy holidays thanks for having me there you go tommy zola from the oil stream and tsn 1260 uh let's get to the wrap for today's show we need 21 more likes so please hammer that like button for us if you're watching on the nation network youtube it's easy you just got to click that little thumb up button hit it let's see if we can make a quick jump up here i made this point yesterday and i'm not sure if it was on this show or on real life liam but last year they started so damn well like they came out of the gates hard. They were what, like 16 and five at one point, one of the best teams in the NHL. And then it just cratered. It just went right down. And they were one of the worst teams in the NHL for like two months. Like, I think maybe we forget that last year. It wasn't like they just slipped up for like two weeks. Like they were terrible for a really long stretch. Dave Tippett didn't get fired until February 11th. I still remember a moment after a short for giant pregame show last year where I sat on the lime green couches in the nation network offices, staring at the ceiling. And I turned and I said, this team's not going to make the playoffs and we're going to have to deal with two weeks of hockey at the end of the year where they're mathematically out of it. And it's going to suck. And damn it. They turned it around this year. I don't know if right now pre deadline, this team has the ability to go on a run like what we saw last season, where they were one of the best teams in the NHL to start and in the last month and a bit of the season as well. And that's what propelled them to 104 points. 
I actually still think they can get to the 100 point mark this season. It's not the most insane thing. And I just think they're going to be, even if this sounds insane right now, because they're in the middle of a three game losing streak. I think they'll just be a little more even keel instead of going like up, down, way down here. And then, whoa, way up here. And then way down here again. Mm -hmm. I think they'll just kind of hum along in the middle, a three game winning streak, a three game losing streak. And it just kind of bounces around that way. And I really do think we'll be looking at this team at the trade deadline with the same eyes that we looked at them last year, which is top of the division maybe isn't within reach. Home ice advantage certainly is. And they got to add because they should be in the playoffs. Uh, I'm, this may sound stupid after what's been going through, but I literally have no concerns about them missing the playoffs. I just look at the and it's solely on the division they play in. Like it stinks. They have they're only one point behind Seattle right now. It's for a playoff spot, and I think that's the big advantage for the Oilers is they're able to kind of go on these bad runs. But like you said, like it'd be nice if they would just even things out a little bit, win two or three, then lose one. Like just don't. Just so up and down all the time. And I, I liked what Gazzola said actually about the the how 2017 and this year is similar and the fact that they're asking young guys to step up and do something. I think it's very interesting considering Ken Holland is like widely known for like his veteran guys and he didn't bring back yeah. a Russell Lawley. Like maybe add a, a more veteran guy to the to the forward group too. It's like an interesting tactic by uh, Holland, especially after like what they lost, and I think that's just where they're gonna go with the deadline. Like uh, Jonathan Taves, like I've, I know I've been talking about uh, Domi a lot, but like maybe Taves is the guy to like kind of get there. And like it was on, yeah. it might have actually been on the post game show yesterday on Gazola's post game show. He was saying how uh, is I imagine being in a dressing room last season, and then you're looking down, and a couple stalls down, he's Duncan Keith, and he's just cool, calm, and collective. Like, if you don't think that matters, I think you're you're incredibly wrong. And I think it's a massive part of what this team's identity was last season. And now it's been gone. And I think some they need to step up. And we say all the time, like, this team is more than capable of being a very, very good hockey team. And they are making errors that is literally costing them two points. I don't think the Oilers are losing the game based off, like, an effort thing. They're losing games because, quite frankly, they're making terrible decisions with the puck. Yeah, and I guess the big question would be, are they making those bad decisions with the puck because they're just in a slump right now, or are they incompetent? And I look at last year, and this was the big fight Jay and I had yesterday on the show, yesterday on Real Life, because he's like, we've been sitting here for 35 games saying, oh, the blue line will just get better. And I get that that's frustrating, but I really do think it can. I don't like. I have watched Darnell Nurse with my own two eyes be a top-pairing D-man in the NHL. Last couple yep. weeks, or last couple months of last season, he was really, really good. And people forget that because all they remember is that he got hurt and struggled in the playoffs. But he was really, really good down the stretch last season. Evan Bouchard was really, really good down the stretch last season. And I just think if this is a 35-game slump, there is at least a 25-game heater from both those guys coming at some point this season. And I'd be willing to bet on that. And I, and I think that'll help give them a spark. And again, are they capable of doing what they did last year and going on a run down the stretch where, again, top five, top three team in the NHL? Probably not. Can they be a top 10 team from now to the end of the year? Yes, absolutely. Can the deadline give them a spark? Yes, absolutely. It, Can the players coming back from injury give them a spark? Like, There's so yeah, many guys on the like, sidelines too. Yeah, and, and that's another big point too is 
things will start to turn around. And it might not be as sexy as maybe we wanted it to be. And they might not win the Pacific Division this year. They probably won't. But this division is crap. They're, the season isn't done. You don't need to go make a panic oh. deal now just for the sake of it or whatever. And it's just This is just going to be what this show is like all year. We're going to have three or four <laughs> game winning streaks where me and you are kicking our feet up being like, what a time to be alive. Nine points in three games for McDavid and Dryside. Life is good. And then we'll have a lot more shows like this one, folks, where we got to sit here and be like, this team is frustrating and they're driving us crazy. Uh, a couple of you in the chat asking about some potential trade targets. Matthias Ekholm, we saw him last night. He scored twice against the Oilers this season. Uh, people asking, could he be an option? Three more years, 6.25 million, probably too tough to squeeze that in. You would need to move out too much serious salary. And I can't see Nashville moving a guy that wears an A on a blue line that's already banged up there in the playoff race. So no to that. Someone asking about Cam Fowler. He is a four-team no. trade list. So Cam Fowler's making six point some million, four-team no trade list. No way. No way. Uh, <laughs> Pateri's in. Hey, Tyler, how's it going regarding your bet about the Oilers becoming better defensively in December? Not good. <laughs> that's for sure. But there's still time for them to turn it around. Come on now. Let's show my rusty, did, the reckless optimist side. Did uh, did you see what Bob Stoffer tweeted this morning if we're going to talk about trading and stuff like that? So Bob Stoffer no. tweeted, so he said this was Stoffer's Christmas wish list for the Edmonton Oilers. Number one, healthy Evander Kane and Ryan McLeod. I think that's number one on everyone's. Um, yeah. Number two, a steady left shot defenseman who plays a simple game and can play penalty kill. Essentially what they got in Brett Kulak last year and Dmitry Kulikov the year before that. Number three, a hard-nosed, fast right shot depth winger. So take that for what it's worth, but that's what Bob Stafford tweeted out this morning. And most of the time, he doesn't just say stuff for fun. <laughs> no, no, that's not usually the way Bob operates. Um, yeah, yeah, healthy Evander Kane and Ryan McLeod would certainly help this team. Ryan McLeod yep. may be close, could maybe be back by the end of the month, we're hoping. So that could be coming. Evander Kane's not coming for a bit, so yeah. Um, a steady left D who plays a simple game and can PK. Yeah, that should be Carson Soucy, but the Seattle Kraken can't make the playoffs. And the last one, Spencer says in the chat, that's Zach McEwen or Sam Lafferty. So there you go. And uh, Spencer also says Gavrikov. Yeah, Gavrikov, McEwen. Boom, there you go. Deadline's done. Move on. Uh, Kane's back and healthy. <laughs> Fighting Amish, Stoffer has bad takes. Stoffer's also like more plugged in than anyone. So when he tweets stuff like that, you should probably pay attention to it. Bob doesn't just say stuff for the sake of saying it. Trust me. Um, but yeah, we'll see what ends up happening as we uh, get closer to the deadline. We can't end the show till our like goals hit. We're only at 49. If you're watching on the Nation Network YouTube, I see it. There are 76 of you. We only have 49 likes. Hammer that like button for us. We are 12 likes away from hitting our goal today. Uh, Tyler Mulek, Kane coming back from injury, Ken Holland deadline masterclass. I mean, I really do hope we aren't in a situation where Ken Holland sits in front of the media at the end, at the end of the deadline and goes, getting Evander Kane back is pretty much a deadline ad because that will drive me nuts. That is a fireable offense. Uh, not a fun time. Tomorrow, though, chance for the Oilers to bounce back, but they're taking on the Dallas Stars. It'll be a Sherwood Ford giant game day tomorrow on the show. Their mobile service center, that's something you could probably use 
on a day like today when it's minus 40 and the nation truck won't start. Um, so I'll be hitting on my friends at Sherwood Ford. You can too. That's why you shop there. Good people out at Sherwood Ford. Also, shout out to our friends at the Sports Closet. As always, we are live from the Sports Closet studio, sportscloset.ca for the hockey or sports fan in your life, no matter who they're a fan of. Sports Closet's got gear for them. So check them out. Three locations in Edmonton as well. Sherwood Park Mall, St. Albert Mall, and Kingsway Mall. 53 likes, folks. We are getting there. We are getting there. Liam, should we talk a little betting here? Do you got some Betway picks lined up for us or what? I do, but I have an interesting question for you before we get to that. No, I was no, just okay, looking through some of the the free agent players, that free agent available in the summer. You know, this we're looking for this summer? guy, but yeah. So I was just kind of looking yeah. through some of the right shots. What if they're back in on Connor Brown from Washington? Or do you think Washington's probably not going to want to sell at the moment? They're obviously been on a bit of a run recently, but that's a name that the Oilers actually looked at over the summer. So maybe that's another name that could be brought in now. He's out for the season. Oh, what? Why do I even say stuff on this show? First Troy Terry and now this. He's, what did he do? Yeah, uh, he blew some out. I think it was like his ACL or whatever. Yeah, he's not playing all year. Um, so no Connor Brown. But remember, like when we we're doing the free agent <laughs> show, like Bob McKenzie tweeted, the Oilers have acquired Connor Brown or the Oilers are getting close on Connor Brown. And like Bob's not wrong yeah. that often. So that was really surprising when it didn't end up happening. I remember sitting there reading the tweet on the show being like, oh, sounds like the Oilers are getting Connor Brown. We had articles written up. Oilers acquire Connor Brown. And then it just randomly went to Washington. Oilers didn't get the deal done. Um, but we know they mm. like him. He's played with McDavid. That's a guy who, you know, maybe coming off an ACL tear, you can look at in the summer and go, hey, man, one year, two million bucks. Yes, a pooly has gone at that point. Sign him maybe. for cheap the one-year Tyson Berry-esque deal. Come here, rebuild your value with Connor McDavid, and there you go. Uh, Brent Smythe is in the chat. Taves and Gavrikov would be awesome. That would be my dream. If you could give me three, three realistic pieces that they can acquire before the deadline, it would be Taves, Gavrikov, McEwen. Boom. You're tougher to play against. You have a good defensive center. Your left side is wildly improved. So that, that would be it. Uh, for me, Tyler's in says should have gotten Brown and Strom. Strom is playing top line minutes in Washington. I wanted the Oilers to go get him. I don't know if he necessarily would have been the answer defensively that you're looking for on the third line. So maybe not a great fit here, but I do love seeing him have success out in Washington as well. Uh, what are we at? 53 likes. If you're watching on the Nation Network YouTube, we only got a couple minutes left. Eight minutes or eight more likes to go. Hammer the like button, please. We want Liam to be able to afford Christmas presents this year. Uh, speaking of money, mm. let's get to our bets. What do you like tonight, Liam? Well, we're going with a couple of road dogs and two of the hottest teams in the NHL. The New York Rangers. Pittsburgh have been pretty good. The Rangers have been better. Plus 115. And then Tampa Bay is back in Toronto. I'm going with Tampa too. I just see like two hot teams. I think they're both like eight and two in the last 10. So I'm yep. going to run the risk and go chase a little bit of the juice here with some road underdogs. Not bad. Not bad. I like taking the over in St. Louis, Seattle later tonight. Grice versus whoever's in net for Seattle. Seems like a good matchup. And I have a funny feeling the Flames are going to beat the Sharks for the second time this week. Sharks going to be without Tomas Hurdle, who's suspended. So there you go. Couple of uh, plays from us for our friends at Betway 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Um, Oilers should have traded for Debrinket in the offseason. And no, see, like, again, <laughs> going all in, giving up three major assets for one guy. I don't know if that's necessarily the play. 
I think you need to add more than one piece to this team. Depth is the problem, not high-end skill, which is why I don't think they'll be in on Patrick Kane. I don't think they were ever in on a guy like Alex Dabrinkit. And it's why I don't think they've bucked up and paid the price for Jacob Chikrin because they recognize it's the depth that's an issue. Hit the like button, please. Yeah. Not going to ask again. Um, but right, Liam, like, I, I think we're in agreement on this. Like, yeah, okay, Dabrinkit's almost a point for game in Ottawa. Would have been awesome. But if you're looking at it of the at the lens of right now, right now in this moment, yes, they could use Alex Dabrinkit. At the beginning of the year, you're looking at a roster that's fully healthy, and you're going, okay, McDavid, Kane, Dreisaitl, Nuge, Hyman, and one of Yamamoto or Pugliarvi. You have six guys in your top six. You're full. I Yeah. At the time, it didn't could, make sense, so it's it's hard to go back and say, well, I should have done it. Could they even – they wouldn't have been able to afford him either. Like, the contract wouldn't have bat, just been too much. The was another big thing why Chicago didn't want to keep him is the qualifying offer was just – what was it like 10 Huge. million or something like that? Yeah. Like, there's no way. Yeah. Like, yeah, they couldn't do that. Like, the Oilers don't need that. And we even addressed it with Tom just then. Like, the Oilers are one of the highest scoring teams in the NHL. The problem is they can't stop the puck from going in the back of the net because they don't play good team defense. You need to find some forwards who can contribute to that and help everybody out and kind of even things out. And, Man, Alex Dabrinka on the team, hey, sure, that would have been awesome. That would have been great to see him flying around Rogers' place with McDavid again. But we don't need him. We There's other issues, and he's not the answer. Bigger issues, bigger issues. Um, yeah. If you had to take a stab right now, Liam, if I set the over-under for the Oilers at 99.5 points for the rest of the year, you taking the over or the under on that? What are they at right now? 36? 36 and 33 games. They are averaging over a point per game, but that's not exactly great. Yeah, I sure. I'll take it. I'll try and be an op- optimistic about it. I'll take a leaf out of Rusty's buck. Just they, they're a good team and they're just struggling at the moment. I know we've kind of said this for a while, but at one point in the season, they also went on a five game win streak and it was only last week. They had won six of eight, you know, like yeah. they're, they're finding ways like they just in a slump and, if we want to just take these last three games, they've literally shot themselves in a foot. The other teams haven't necessarily beat them. They've beat themselves. And that's the issue with this team right now. And I think they can turn it around. And like, obviously Dallas tomorrow isn't going to be easy, but I also never know what Oilers team is going to show up. So I wouldn't be surprised if we just went out and beat the wheels off Dallas, to be honest. Like who really knows day to day what's going to happen with this team. And I, I believe in this team a lot. And I think everyone else should too. Like, Yes, we we we've spoke about it again on this show. Like this, the tough tales that happened last season too, and that were overshadowed because of how well they did in the playoffs. And someone said in the chat, like, it's not good enough just to make the playoffs. Sure, but that's the first step to try and win in the Stanley Cup is to get to the playoffs. You can't win the Stanley yep. Cup if you don't get to the playoffs. So that's the first step for this team, right. and that's the first step for every single team that makes is trying to make the playoffs is to get there. And that's when you aim for to try and win the cup from there. This team, I yep. think he'll be okay. I think I believe in Holland to go and make deadline acquisitions because he's literally done it every single season that he's here. So there's not a lot of reason to believe he won't do it again. We need two more likes, people. Two more likes to hit our goal. Then we'll wrap up today's show. If you're watching on the Nation Network YouTube, hit that little thumbs up button, please. 
We are at 59. We're so close. Uh, the Dallas Stars, they're coming into this game. They beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 2-1 yesterday. Um, they even had an empty netter in there. Then they gave one up with 10 seconds to go. Wasn't their best game of the season. Jake Ottinger, though, has been unbelievable. They're coming. They lost 5-4 to Carolina earlier in the week. Barely beat the Capitals. It was 2-1 in their game before that. Um you know, they're playing good. They, they've been really, really consistent this year. And they blew out the Oilers earlier this season as well. So it's it'll be a tough one, but we'll break it all down tomorrow. Uh, we're either going to have Frank on tomorrow or Thursday. I'm waiting on confirmation with him. He's had just like a brutal travel schedule the last couple of days. So hopefully our boy Frank can uh, work his way onto the show. Well, he will be one of the next two days. Maybe it's tomorrow. Either way, tomorrow's a short forward giant game day as well. So Jay's going to be around to give us some takes as we get set frame matchup against the Dallas Stars. That is going to be a wrap for today's show. We hit our like goal. Great work, everybody. Great work, Liam. Shout out to our technical producer, Alex Allard, as well. If you miss a show, we are available wherever you get your podcast from, Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. So search Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Yaremchuk. And if you can join us live, we love you even more. So tune in tomorrow, noon mountain time on Oilers Nation every day. Enjoy your Tuesday hockey fans. We'll chat then.